Yes, this is the Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. I'm, I'm Christopher Hicken. Uh, those of you here will know me. This is for the benefit of anybody who may pick us up online, and I pray that they will. I'm Christopher Hicken, one of the preachers here, and as Lisa said, we're working through the formal order of the service for Holy Communion, which we celebrated earlier. And we've got today to the Gospel reading, and it's my delight to be landed with preaching on this. Um, something wonderful. We've just heard what I'm going to call St. Mark's finale, the last passage, the final passage from his Gospel. What is the Gospel, and how is it part of our worship? Gospel means good news, and the good news is about Jesus. The first four books of the New Testament are called Gospels because they focus on the life, teachings, death, and resurrection of Jesus. St. Mark opens his Gospel with the words, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. The good news, the Gospel, is about Jesus. His first words in St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 15, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Something momentous is happening. God is beginning to take charge, and we are called to repent. As we heard recently, repent goes a bit beyond just saying sorry. We turn away from our old self-centered lives and start a whole new life. Our reading, St. Mark's finale, promises us dramatic consequences. Authority over the enemy and healing for people who are sick. I don't recommend deliberately going out and handling snakes, though a few churches have tried it. I read somewhere what's remarkable is that so few people have died as a consequence. Uh, that's not what it's about. This comment is there to remind us what happened to St. Paul when he was gathering firewood, and a snake crawled out from the wood onto his arm. But he was unharmed. If we follow Jesus, we will face danger. But God is there with us in the danger. So, how do these dramatic consequences follow from Jesus' opening announcement, repent and believe the good news? How does this work? Well, if you want to find out how something works, one way is to take it to bits, have a good look at the bits, and then put them back together. That last stage, putting it back together, is vital where the Bible is concerned. During the last century, there was far too much taking the Bible to bits and then wondering why it didn't work. Our piece is the our first piece is the passage just read to us, St. Mark's finale. Jesus sending out the disciples with a promise of signs following the word. The second piece for this morning's purposes is the rest of St. Mark's gospel. Your Bibles rightly point out that the passage we've just heard does not appear in the earliest manuscripts of the gospel. And you can actually see this for yourself if the British Library have on display one of their greatest treasures, the Codex Sinaiticus, 
a fourth century, almost complete Bible in Greek. In it, St. Mark's Gospel ends, full stop, just before the passage which was read to us. <coughs> and this means that St. Mark's Gospel originally ended with the words, they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid, which is a bit of a puzzle to say the least. And it's really no surprise that very soon someone comes along thinking along the lines of, you can't just leave it there, and has added the passage we just heard, which I'm calling St. Mark's finale. It quotes from St. Matthew, Jesus sending out the disciples, St. Luke, various resurrection appearances, and then gives us a kind of film trailer for the book of Acts. The quotes aren't very precise. And this is one reason why, for me, the Bible doesn't work if you treat it like a block of stone, a tablet of stone. It's far too alive. And for me, its status is that of expert witness. If in a court of law, the witnesses all produce statements which agree word for word, it's likely they've colluded, and this undermines their testimony. But if there's broad agreement with minor discrepancies, as is outstandingly the case with the various accounts of Jesus' resurrection, that suggests we have records of several independent eyewitnesses. The Bible brings us expert testimony, expert witness to the dealings of God with humanity, and we ignore its testimony at our peril. So what about the original ending of St. Mark's Gospel? Has the original ending been lost? There was a romantic idea that maybe St. Mark was arrested in the middle of writing it and carted off to martyrdom. And this is possible. But recently, Bible scholars have begun to wonder whether this abrupt ending is not, in fact, deliberate. And there's an excellent video on YouTube by one of our local theologians, Paula Gooder, I hope maybe we'll put up the link to this later on. Uh, Paula Gooder is on the staff of St. Paul's Cathedral. And if you search on YouTube for Paula Gooder and look for her video about Mark's Gospel, she explains how St. Mark seems to be deliberately setting us a puzzle. And this is a thread that runs right through the whole Gospel. Who is Jesus? We see him teaching, healing people, proclaiming God's love and power. The crowds are amazed. The religious leaders can't stand it. His disciples seem totally perplexed. So what about you? Who do you say this man is? This gospel, this good news, is calling us to a decision. It's not just his teachings or even his miracles or even his courage in the face of death. The disciples are devastated. But then come reports that he's risen from the dead. It must have been a complete shock. Think about it, says St. Mark. St. Mark's question, who is Jesus? Anybody like to give an answer? Son of God. Son of God. Savior. Savior, someone says, yes. 
Yeah, if, if I was at work, I'd be scribbling up all these answers on a whiteboard now. Um, thank you very much. Yeah. Son of God, that's an interesting one because that is about the only direct statement in St. Mark's Gospel. Peter hails him as Messiah, which is a big moment. Um, but then Peter immediately says, no, you can't go and suffer and die. That's not what the Messiah is for. Everybody thought the Messiah was a conquering hero. And that's what Peter had hoped. Um, but do you know who it is who says Son of God in St. Mark's Gospel? It's a slightly advanced question for some of you who've been around a while. <laughs> the centurion, yeah. The pagan, the heathen at the cross, the man who is in charge of seeing him die, says, surely this man is son of God. And that's the hint that St. Mark gives us as to what's going on. This isn't just a good man unjustly executed. God is at work. Something is happening. Something big. So... Through Jesus, God has acted to bring in his kingdom. This is the news that we, just like the first disciples, have been given to take to the whole creation. The call is to repent from our old selfish lives and take on the life of God's kingdom, our new life in Jesus, whereby we become who we truly are. Life that will see us through to eternity. And like the author of this finale of St. Mark's, which we've just read, I can feel myself pulling in ideas from all over the New Testament and beyond to try and express the glory of the gospel. St. Mark's finale doesn't actually mention the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about this, and then I thought, well, I can imagine the author saying, look, I told you about the signs. I'm not going to rehash the whole of the book of Acts. Go and read it for yourself. It's all there. In fact, the great contribution of St. Mark's finale to the whole gospel story is this promise of signs that will follow the proclamation of the word. And notice that we're speaking of the word in three different senses, though they are very closely linked. There's the word, which is the message about Jesus that we are sent to proclaim. The word, which is the Bible, our expert witness to the truth about Jesus. And there's the word, which is Jesus himself. St. John's Gospel says, Jesus is the word, God's word, God's ultimate revelation of himself and of his love. So this starts to bring the pieces back together. Who is Jesus? Son of God, risen from the dead. Signs will follow the word. The St. Mark's finale is linked to the rest of his gospel by the all-important phrase, go and tell. In the original ending, at verse 7, just before the finale, the angel at the empty tomb, and St. Mark just says it was a young man, tells the woman, the women, to go and tell. They don't, at first, because they're scared. But they must have done so eventually, and I can identify with that, taking some time to get my courage together when the Lord asks me to do something scary. In the finale, verse 15, Jesus now tells the disciples to go and tell. And we have the wonderful assurance that the Lord confirms the word with signs that accompany it.
So, how do we please God? By attending to his word and being doers of the word and not hearers only. This is why in our public and private worship we read the Gospels to discover and be reminded of the life, teaching, self-sacrificing death and astonishing resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah, God's Son, Saviour. This message is now entrusted to us. In the words of N.T. Wright, the New Testament is therefore designed, designed, I would say, by the Holy Spirit, to be the book which, when we read it, shapes and energizes and directs us, not only for worship, but also for mission. Worship and mission go hand in hand. Reading and studying the New Testament is the vital and non-negotiable means by which both are given their pattern and their power. So, let's go and tell. Stand by for action. The church is leaving the building. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs>